Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty at Real Chris Platty on all the social medias. And returning to the podcast again is my guy Philip. Philip, man, how are you doing? You are the host of Locked On Magic, and also I want to get this right: you're the uh, site expert and editor at Orlando Magic Daily, correct? Yes, that is correct. All right, that that is my guy. That's my guy, Philip Rossman. Philip, how you doing, man? As the NBA season approaches, I am. I am. I'm optimistic. This is like the best time of year. Like, you haven't been completely worn down by uh, by the the drudgery of the season yet. Everyone is 0-0. Everyone believes they can achieve all their goals, uh, and then we'll see in about a month whether that's actually feasible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For some teams, reality hits quicker than others. But um, yeah, as a Piston fan, trust me, I, I feel your pain. Um, yeah. All right. Let's jump into it. So the way this is going to work, um, for those of you that haven't heard the previous uh, Division podcast that I've uploaded, the, this is just going to be, we go through kind of the storylines and the major questions of each team and then and then do a va- and then look at Vegas' over-under and see and predict where we think they're going to fall. So first, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. So to recap their offseason, they, um, they acquired Justin Anderson, Vince Carter, Daniel Hamilton, Alex Len, Jer- uh, Jeremy Lin in that trade with the Nets, Trey Young in the Luka Doncic trade that might forever go down in history. Um, and, and they lost, uh, well, technically Carmelo Anthony, they traded from Thunder, then waived. Uh, Damian Lee, Jalen Morris, uh, Cleveland, Mike Muscala in that trade to Philadelphia, and Dennis Schroeder in the trade to Oklahoma City Thunder. And, and so basically... Atlanta's to to me felt what's what's interesting about Atlanta is they are in the very early stages of rebuilding. They still don't even have the cornerstone yet. They're hoping that Trey Young is that guy. Um, they do have they do have some young pieces though outside Trey Young. They have they have John Collins as well who had a nice season last year. So to me, I think the biggest thing about Atlanta is nobody's uh, assuming they're going to contend for the playoffs. So to me. The biggest thing is finding out who is your core and who is a part of your long long term plan. I think that's the biggest step for Atlanta to take this season, right? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, whenever you're at the beginning of a rebuild, and, and Atlanta, although they were they were bad last year, I think this is really the first year where we could say they they, they think they have one of their core pieces in, in mm-hmm. Trey Young. They've got a new coach in Lloyd Pierce, so they they kind of turned the page on that as well. Um, I think that, that this is really a, a year, again, to, to say, okay, who is really part of our core? Um, you've got Trey Young, obviously. Uh, is Torian Prince – what's Torian Prince going to be? What's John Collins going to be? We saw him really shine at Summer League and take some big steps last year. Um, I think it's – I think Atlanta this year, you're right, is really trying to assess where they're at uh, in their overall scheme. Like it, it feel, it's year one, obviously, so it's probably a long way away. But what happens in year two? Like, what's the next step in year two? I think this kind of this year kind of sets a little bit of a baseline uh, for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, the interesting thing about Atlanta is that, uh, like you said, they're under they're under new coach. And according to Vegas, they have them projected as the worst team in the in the league um, at their over under at twenty three and a half. Uh, it's hard to go. Even if they are the worst team in the league, it's hard. It's hard to go under such a low number. So I guess I would have to go a slight over or around there. I think twenty-two to twenty-four is their range. So I think Vegas kind of hit the nail on the head. What do you think about them? Yeah, I, I think I think they kind of hit the nail on the head there because I think the one thing that we probably don't aren't going to mention very much with Atlanta is 
they actually have an interesting group of veteran players. Uh, and I, like with me, with the Hawks, I'm really curious what kind of influence Jeremy Lin and Vince Carter are going to have on that team. Um, because both of those guys are real are, are solid players. They're not every night players, but you know, Lynn's going to have a Lynn sanity game at some point. You know, Carter's going to provide a lot of steady leadership. I I I feel like with Atlanta, they they're going to be bad. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're not going to waver too far from the path they need to tread because of those veterans. And I'm really curious this year what influence they have on the Hawks overall development. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's a, that's an interesting point that you bring up. Um, the acquisition of Vince Carter, I think, is 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 great for them. I think he's one of the, the great veterans to learn from in this game. One one who's been insightful and had had a quite had a quite amazing career. In in all honesty, had almost every experience you can imagine, from being like the the young phenom star to aging and becoming a. a a key contributor on good teams to then becoming a veteran in other locker rooms that needed it, such as Sacramento. So he's had quite the NBA journey, and I think it. I think it's great for Atlanta to have him on the roster. Um, the other, the other last thing I'm curious about with it with Atlanta is uh, their acquisition of Alex Len, a guy who just never panned out in Phoenix. Um, I was, I, I liked what I saw from him uh, coming out of college. I wouldn't say I was all in on him, but I but I liked his game and I thought he could uh, I thought he could potentially be a solid center in the league. Um, but obviously things never worked out in Atlanta. He was he had moments, but it was inconsistent. Uh, what do you think of Alex Len? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I mean he's had some some crazy good games against the yeah. Magic the last few years. So that's 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 kind of been really my only exposure to him. I mean. With, with a lot of young players, it's, it's just about consistency. What are yeah. you going to bring every single night? Um, Len is probably not a starting center in this league. Uh, he's kind of uh, a traditional center. He's not the most mobile guy in the world, but he can step out and hit hit, hit some jumpers and hit some threes on occasion, I think. Um, it, I think going to a new situation, I mean, whenever something's not working out for a young player, going to a new situation helps. And, and I think that... Yeah. Uh, what Atlanta is trying to do, kind of trying to, it, it feels like they're trying to mold themselves into Golden State East in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with the influences that are in that locker room and Trey Young, obviously, and and some of the other guys that they've acquired. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if if he kind of fits that mold a lot better than Phoenix, which really didn't have much of a direction during his time uh, in 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 the Valley there, in the Valley of the Sun there. Um, so it, it, you know, I. I I, I, I'm not in on him at all. I would say, you know, I'm skeptical that that he'll find it. I just don't think his game really fits the the way the NBA is moving, and that's partially not his fault, and it's partially he's not good enough to overcome that, yeah. or hasn't established a, a a role or a skill to overcome that. But new opportunity in Atlanta always helps. Uh, you know, you know, he's going to be playing behind Dwayne Denman, it looks like. So I think I think things will be okay. I think he'll do fine. He'll probably get another contract somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm not ready to give up on Alex Len's NBA career yet, just yet. All right, let's transition to your team, the Orlando Magic. So, to me, um, obviously, obviously, and I'll and I'll go through their whole entire uh, offseason, But the biggest uh, standalone acquisition was, of course, re-signing and committing financially to Aaron Gordon. Um, let me see. Let me pull up the other list just to make sure I have. All their transactions, right? Um, here we go. Uh, there's, a few, there's a few of them. Not that too yeah. many, though. Yeah. Um, Jaron Jaron Grant, who's a who's a prospect who I who I kind of like. Jarrell Martin, another prospect I kind of liked. So they got some they got some nice prospects, of course. Uh, Mo Bamba, uh, famous in both the basketball and hip hop community right now uh, for that for that song. Justin Jackson, Melvin Frazier. Um, so that so they. And they lost, of course, Bismack Biombo in the trade to the Hornets. Mario Hazonia, my guy that signed with the Knicks. Dakari Johnson uh, was traded from the Thunder, and then again traded to the Grizzlies. Um, and they lost, uh, and they waived Shelvin Mack. But of course, like we said, uh, the the biggest thing is that they is that they committed to Aaron, to Aaron Gordon and gave him that massive contract. So, um, to me. The question I have for Orlando is: They committed to Aaron Gordon. What's what's the next step for this team? Is it is it defining who who the guys are underneath him? Like the like um, how does how does uh, 
Isaac play into it? How does uh, how does Jonathan Isaac play into it? How does uh, how does all these other prospects play into it? Is that the next step that Orlando needs to take? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's still a bit unclear what what the next step is. I mean, I think Orlando is still kind of stuck in that mode where where they've been the last really three years now, um, or three summers at least, where they they think they're ready to win, or or they they think they're closer to to winning than they actually are. And, and they kind of pushed our team, at least early in the season, to, to pick up wins and try and compete and then realize in, in January, at the latest it seems, that, oh, we're, we're not ready to win. We're, we're not that good, good yet. Um, I think what's really important for Orlando, I think Orlando, they've got enough young, veteran, young veterans and like Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic, who were, and of course Aaron Gordon now on the big contract, where they probably should be doing that. Like that, that they've got, the, the, the profile of their team is that, they should be trying to make the playoffs. Right now, whether management is assembling its resources and putting the money into getting there, that's the part that I think is the, the disconnect because the Magic really aren't quite there yet. Um, uh, really, the whole season I think for the Magic is dependent on figuring out just how good Jonathan Isaac can be and just how good Muhammad Bamba can be, and, and, and letting them kind of develop at their own pace. And so, if you could pick up wins and compete while doing that, great. If you end up back in the lottery and have a chance at, at a top pick, that's fine too. Another piece wouldn't hurt this group right now. Um, the Magic, as an organization, are just kind of in transition. They're trying to move away from the mistakes of Rob Hennigan over the last few years, and Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are trying to put their stamp on this team. And 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 they've done that through drafting Bamba, through drafting Isaac, um, picking up a guy like Jonathan Simmons, um, even going after players like Jaron Grant and, 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 and to some extent, Jarrell Martin, who are you know kind of young guys looking to prove themselves, but could very well fit what the Magic want to do. Um, they're going to let Aaron Gordon kind of be the star again, let him make mistakes, see what he's learned, what he learned from the experience last year, and, and just kind of see where that takes them this year, and then figure out where to go from there once they can squeeze out some cap room to try and add pieces to this core to, to make it a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I'm really interested to see how the front uh, how the front court works between. Between Isaac Gordon and Mobamba, um, what are what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously, obviously, it's a very tantalizing um, front court to look at, with, as far as like size, wingspan, all, all that. Like physically, they that that three line that three line front court has a, a very uh, formidable potential to it. What do you see in as as those three players? How do you think they they mesh together? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. The, the, we haven't seen them all on the court yet for, for the Magic through preseason. Uh, they're either saving it or um, injuries have kind of kept all three from being out on the court. Um, it, it's all going to depend on how well Gordon and Isaac shoot, I think, whether this, this can actually work. If, if Gordon and Isaac can develop consistent three-point shots and be threats from the outside and even a little bit off the bounce, then I think that this trio can work really, really well. Bamba already looks like a better offensive player than I think a lot of people anticipated. His three-point shot is a lot lot is a lot is a lot better than what certainly at Texas and, and looks like it's going to be a weapon for him, especially in his rookie year as his role is going to be kind of limited. Um, defensively, I think Isaac's a future all-NBA first-team defensive player. I think I think uh, all-defensive all team first player, not all-NBA, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, that he's going to reach that level at some point in his career, and, and he's – He's a really smart defender. You add Bamba behind him. If Gordon Reed commits to playing defense, then all of a sudden that front court is, is going to be really locked down. And, and it's just going to be about how do the other pieces fit to create space for them? Who's going to who's going to create off the dribble? Who's going to get into the paint and cause the defense to collapse? Those are the bigger questions the Magic have to answer as they acquire new players. But right now, you know, it doesn't seem like a great fit yet. But I think the Magic are really optimistic that Gordon, Isaac, and Bamba can can be a front court for the future. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think I it just it's hard not to as a Pistons fan get flashbacks of the nightmare that was Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond. Now I know these guys are starting off at a far better place shooting, but it's hard to escape those nightmares when I see when I see this uh, when I see this front court together. Um, but Vegas over under has them currently at 31 and a half, which I think is, uh, I think that's a little bit low. I think they are, my kind of spoiler take with them is that I think that they can, um, 
they can be ninth or tenth in the East, uh, which is which is Vegas is projecting that they finish they finish about eleventh. Um, I think they could beat out Charlotte, one of the teams, Charlotte or Brooklyn. I just like I just like what I see with Orlando this year. Uh, I like I like their prospects. I like their talent. The one thing is just I I need a point guard. Point guard to me is the biggest issue for them. But I'm still hitting the over at 31 and a half. What about you? Uh, I have I've been slowly moving to the over. I actually think 31 and a half is probably right on the number. Um, I've been saying all summer that that I, I feel like this is a 33 34 win team. But kind of late season chicanery probably puts them at the under. I'm I'm putting all my official predictions at 32 and 50. Um, I think that would be some really nice growth for this team. Um, th- there is a universe. I, I agree that there is a universe where everything clicks. Isaac's better than we expect. Gordon is better than we expect. And despite those point guard problems that you mentioned, which I think DJ Augustin's kind of gotten a, an unfair rap um, all all off season. It's not his fault. The Magic couldn't find a better point guard, and, and he's fine for what he is. Um, but obviously not the fight, not the answer either. Uh, but I, I feel like, I feel like there's a universe where the magic do make a playoff push this year. I just don't think we live in that universe or, or if we do, it's one of the few of those that exist. Um, I think that this is a low 30 win team. And yeah. if, you know, th- if there's injuries like there were last year, it could be worse. If, you know, they're, they're close to the lottery, they're close to one of those top four spots. Maybe there's some late season, uh, tinkering that, uh, that gets them those those best odds because you don't have to be in the top three anymore to get the best odds, um, and maybe that puts them at the under. I, I think thirty one and a half is probably right about where the Magic are going to end up. Hmm. That's interesting. I thought you were I thought you were going to be the one that talked me up on the Magic even more. Here you are, the one talking me down. I've, I've done bit. that. I've done that to people the last few years, and everyone's been <laughs> everyone's been like like oh, oh you know oh man I I, I don't know about. Like I had like two years ago, I I said you know I don't think this Magic team is going to make the playoffs. I think their defense is going to be really really good, and and that like convinced people to put the Magic in the playoffs. And of course they finished with 28 wins and were <laughs> terrible that year. Um, so I you know I'm I'm tempering my expectations a little bit. I, I think the Magic were not a 25 win team last year. I think they had the statistical profile of a 28 win team. They lost more than 220 games to injury last year to to starters. Jonathan Isaac only played 27 games. Terrence Ross played less than 30 games. Yeah. Aaron Gordon, as good as he was, played less than 60 games. Um, yeah. So they lost a lot of time. Nikola Vucevic missed a lot of time with a broken hand. They missed a lot of games to injury last year. So I think 25 wins last year was a fluke. It was an injury mistake, so to yeah. speak. And, and some teams just have that. The Magic didn't have the depth to withstand all the injuries that they had. Yeah. Um, so I think that they're better than that. They were probably closer to a 29-30 win team last year. It's virtually the same roster, so I kind of put them at the same spot. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. That being said, I think they deserve some good karma. Orlando, I'm going to put you in the mix for the playoffs. Just for that reason. I think they deserve some good karma. Um, all right. Let's jump to Charlotte. Now, Charlotte, to me, I don't know what it is about Charlotte. What's that? I'm saying Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought I thought I heard you. I thought I heard you cut in. Um, so Charlotte is very interesting to me because they, or rather I should say the opposite. They're, they're not interesting to me because they, they just seem to be the same team every year. And it's one year they're in the playoffs, one year they're out of the playoffs. Uh, they lose Dwight Howard, uh, teams that lose Dwight Howard tend to do better. So maybe that's a plus for them. I don't know. Their, their season's. They're, they're the one team I just don't really, I feel like you can pencil them in for 35 wins, but I don't think they get more than 40. Yeah, I, I mean, that's probably why they moved on to a new coach, is that they could never really seem to get over the hump. Um, and, and I think Charlotte's just, Charlotte to me, is I feel like they're the hardest team to peg, because I've always been really in on Charlotte. I, I mean, I thought last year they were a sure playoff team. Um, I, I really like I really like the the talent that they had and, and and they have good players and so they're always going to be a tough out. Um, their depth is the problem. Um, you know if you know Kemba Walker hasn't always been the healthiest guy in the world. Nicholas Batum can never stay on the court. Um, they got a lot of the health issues. So I think I think they have taken a step back this year. Um, you know even even if they're healthy, um, I think that 
that you know losing Dwight Howard does hurt them because he actually had a pretty good season last year. Um, but you know I, they're still such an incredibly difficult team to peg. Um, they'll be good defensively if, if James Borrego carries over anything that Steve Clifford did. They should be decent defensively. Finding some offense is going to be the problem, and, and, and they're going to need some young guys to step up. They're going to need Malik Monk to uh, be the draft pick that everyone imagined he could be. They, they're going to need Miles Bridges to to be ready to contribute something uh, immediately. Um, they're going to need you know Cody Zeller to, to step up a little bit as, as well. And, and again, when he plays, they're really, really good. Um, you know, so if the Hornets can stay healthy, yeah, they can compete for the playoffs. But but otherwise, I, I think they're a huge mystery and kind of overhanging this entire season is whether Kemba Walker is going to stay. Um, and if it feels like Charlotte's getting ready to start another rebuild, the Hornets have to consider moving him at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, now, Kemba has publicly come out and said that he wants to stay in Charlotte. So I think as of right now. I would lean towards him staying in Charlotte, but you're right. I don't think that I don't think that situation's as easy as everyone thinks it is. I think I think when people saw that Kemba Walker headline, they just wrote it off um, and just penciled him in to stay there for the rest of his career. I don't think it's that simple. Um, like you said, I think there are signs that say this team is heading towards a rebuild, um, especially if this season doesn't pan out because they did change coaches. Um, and, and if you change coaches and you still don't get the results you're looking for, then I think you have to look internally and start to rebuild the actual roster itself. So Charlotte, to me, is is very, is in this very weird place. And I like what you said about Malik Monk because I really think he is um, an underlying X factor for them because of Kemba's health history and just because of the simple fact that they don't have many guards that can that can uh, that can create offense that can that can even run the offense and Malik Monk I don't know if he's ready to handle that yet consistently but Charlotte needs him to otherwise they're going to they're not going to win they're not going to win many games because that to me was my scare with them last year I picked them I picked the under on them just for the simple fact of look I don't I don't know what I like. What does this team do if Kemba Walker goes down? You know, it's not like they have. I, I know it. I know it hurts when every star goes down for a team, but still, the, the thing that makes Charlotte different is that Kemba really is their their driving force offensively. You know, I mean, they got Tony Parker to try and help, but I mean, at this stage in Tony's career, I mean, how how much will he? Contribute? There's 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 no one there to carry that team when Kemba's out. I mean, if I mean, right. even if you look at the even if you look at the the kind of basic statistics. Uh, and I'll I'll stall here to, to look them up myself. Uh, when Kemba Walker was on the floor for the Charlotte Hornets last year, that team was really really good, like like really really good. When he was off the floor, that team was really really bad Awful. and like like lottery lottery really really bad. Yeah. Um, and and it's like I I don't think people realize just the difference in on off numbers. Um, for for whatever they're worth, obviously, because there 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 are flaws in that metric. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm pulling up the number numbers right now on, on NBA.com. Uh, when when Kemba Walker was on the floor for the Charlotte Hornets, they had a 110.7 offensive rating, um, a 107.1 defensive rating, which isn't great, but they were they were a positive team, 3.6 net rating. Right. When Kemba Walker was off the floor, they had a 100.1 offensive rating. So that's a that's a difference of nearly 11 points per 100 possessions when Walker is on the floor compared to when he's off the floor. That's right. that's a huge difference. And and the defense, you know, the Hornets' defense last year was 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 off. I mean, there was but they were still about the same defensively with Walker on and off the floor. The difference in offense when he's on and off the floor for this team is is, is tremendous. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's been like that for a couple of years with this team the last couple of years, and that's why I've always been skeptical of this team. Um, you know, but I do like some of the acquisitions they had. Like they didn't have a bad off season by any means. Uh, Tony Parker, like I said, I don't know how much he'll contribute, but they desperately needed a guard, as those stats show. Um, and Bismack Biombo, um, I've always I've always liked him in a in a limited role. Um, and Miles Bridges, uh, I, of course, you know, being being this a Michigan State student, um, I'm very interested to see how he, how he plays. He's definitely got the the physical tools to be a good NBA player, so I'm 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 curious to see how he'll help on the wing. 
um, another big thing too is that Nick Nick Batum, their their number one shot creator, or their number one sh- or their number two shot creator besides Kemba, um, he is he is very very. He's had a, he's had a long history of injuries, and I think that again he's another player that you can't count on to play more than like sixty five games, and that really hurts when your second or your second or third best player can't really um, play. You can't count on for more than more than seventy five percent of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's, I mean, that's really the whole problem with the Hornets team is. As they were, I mean, they were relatively healthy, relatively healthy last year. I mean, but Nicholas Batum has a long history of missing a lot of games. Uh, Cody Zeller's been in and out of the lineup, and he's actually more yeah. important to that team than I think a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's just a lot of guys, and, and Kemba, Kemba was healthy for most of last year, but there's a lot of guys in that that group that have been in and out, and, and really that's why they've been so inconsistent. Um, you know, as far as getting over the hump, I think, as an organization. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree, I would agree with that. Um, so Charlotte's, thir- Charlotte's over under is at thirty five and a half. Um, that sounds and and for for reference, they have Vegas has Detroit as the A seed right now, which it, with thirty seven and a half. So they're predicting about thirty seven thirty eight wins get you in the the A seed in the East. Um, I'm actually. I'm actually going to go a, a slight under. I think I think Charlotte will finish 35 beat just because of all the all the things that we just explained. I just it's it's hard to put my it's hard to put my eggs in, eggs in their basket so to speak. It's just hard to it's hard to believe on a team where so easily things could go wrong for this team. And I and I hate to use the injury caveat because of course every season you want to assume every team is going to be healthy. Uh, you you want every team to be healthy like I don't want I don't wish injury upon any team so it, it but it but it's at some point you got to just look at it and be like man their depth chart is extremely thin in some areas and it, and it's going to be a problem if and if Kemba or Batum miss even significant time yeah yeah I mean I, I think that's the biggest question with Charlotte is you know if something goes, I mean, and, and I think this is generally the problem with a lot of bad teams is that, you know, there are bad teams that are bad, but the Hawks are young. They're not, they're not ready to take that next step. But teams like Charlotte, like even Orlando to some extent, they've, they've got NBA players. They've got good players. And if they're healthy, they should compete. Yeah. The question is, how do you get through an 82-game season? Like last year, I'll, I'll use the Magic as an example. Last year, the Magic did not have the depth to survive the injuries to key players that they saw over and over and over again throughout the year. And that's how they end up with 25 wins instead of maybe the 34, 35 wins they should have. That's that's a 10-win. That, that very much is a 10-win swing. And, and every team's going to deal with injuries. Yeah. And so the question with Charlotte is, when those injuries happen, because it's hard to play 82 games in a season, when those injuries happen, how do they survive? And And, and really another key point with Charlotte is, their record in close games, despite Kemba Walker having a great reputation as a clutch player, and he's a clutch player, um, for whatever that yeah. word means. Charlotte's record in close games, the last two years especially, have been like abnormally bad. Yeah. And yeah, so like, they play a lot of like I, I tell I tell fans this all the time whenever we get into into arguments over, oh, who's gonna take the shot in the last second? I'm like, good teams don't play don't good teams don't win close games. They avoid them. Yeah. If you're playing a lot of close games, you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble at the end of the day, and 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 those and you won't have the bank of wins to survive losses that you might have because Kemba Walker's injured that night. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and that's one of the things. If you remember, we talked about on last year's podcast was the Wizards, which um, I believe that gives us a perfect segue to the Washington Wizards, who the last couple of years have led the league in close games and and win march i mean they are they are a team that plays a lot of close games a lot of games down to the wire and you know coming off of a semi disappointing la- season last year they they try to switch things up with the acquisitions of um Austin Rivers via trade uh with Marcin Gortat with the Clippers and uh, of course signing free agents Jeff Green and Dwight Howard Jeff Green who Bradley Beal recently called LeBron James I kid you not, um, and they drafted Troy Brown. He's Jeff Jeff Green is LeBron James every preseason. 
and then he plays. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he's Jeff Green. Yeah, Jeff Green's that guy. Man, Jeff Green's that guy. The Pistons are the one Everyone fan base him. that hasn't been suckered into him yet. I mean, he's he's a good dude. Like I like yeah. I, I like I, I enjoyed covering him when he was with the Magic, but um, he's he's Jeff Green. Yeah, he's he's Jeff Green. Uh, enough said. All right, so with Washington, um, this is this is a team that I find very interesting from a mental standpoint. It just even myself as somebody who doesn't cover the team but just is an NBA fan like year after year like it's it feels like this is like the end of that it, it feels like it's the last year of like the Clippers Lob City where we where, where we felt like if things don't happen change is imminent and that's kind of what I feel like with this Washington team is like if this team goes through a rough patch this year do these is this the year the players finally like hit that wall and give up and it just it doesn't work, but they have so much talent. It's hard to, it's hard to assume. It's hard to imagine a scenario where they're not in the playoffs. Yeah, it's 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 always hard to imagine. And I think the the problem, the thing with Washington is they expect themselves to be among the East elite. And and, yeah, and honestly, always. with with the talent they have on that roster, they should. I mean, especially in, in this Eastern Conference. I mean, they yeah. they, they they should be. Saying you know you know maybe we're not as good as Toronto and Boston, or, or Philadelphia, but but we should be around that tier with Milwaukee and Indiana. I mean, mm-hmm. talent-wise on paper, Washington is is right there with them, and yet every year they seem to underperform for whatever yeah. reason. Whether it's infighting in that locker room, whether it's you know John Wall having to miss games or Bradley Beal having to miss games for for whatever reason, like. Like Charlotte can't get over the playoff hump, Washington can't get over the first round hump, and and they had that one year where they made the semis and and they were kind of anointed as the next team to make the conference finals and challenge Cleveland and and then they just petered out and I don't think anyone can really explain why this keeps happening to them and why this keeps happening, um and it's 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 tough to it's tough to explain honestly I I, I don't have a good a uh, good under good sense of of why. Washington can't can't do it. Yeah, I yeah I, I agree, and I think that when when over the years all the games we've watched of of Washington, and the fact that we don't have a, a true ex explanation leads me to believe that it is the locker room stuff that's really holding this team back. And I and I hate to take the psychology approach to it, but sometimes it's just you look at you look at them on the court and. And it's like okay, things don't seem, things just aren't right, and and I can't explain why. It's not like they're not executing. It's you know, it, it it's just it's this this uh, unmeasurable factor with Washington, and I think that that I I think we have to attribute it to the personal relationships in that in that locker room, or just the or just the organizational structure as a whole, because year after year, like you said, they've put themselves publicly and privately they put themselves up there with with the east elites and said you know they should they would have uh one year they said they would have beat cleveland if they matched up with them but they didn't and um i think that was the year they got they got bounced in the second round and they're just a team that uh year after year just doesn't perform to the level that they're expected to and so that to me it it's it makes a, it makes them hard it makes them hard to watch in some sense. Um, the one thing I'm curious is is this the time that Dwight Howard actually works with the with the team? In that locker, I mean, Dwight Howard is only going to work with a team once he understands where he is at in his career right. and who he is as a basketball player. And I don't think he has really since Houston. And I mean, Houston, like he was still kind of a star and kind of someone, I mean, obviously max player and, and all that. And so I think that, you know, there were the, the pushback that he got him and Harden just never meshed. He was still an elite player, but, but he's no longer an elite player. anymore. So he has to recognize that and understand what his role is. And, 
And I mean, I think this was an issue going back even to his days in Orlando to some extent, uh, the last days in Orlando at least, where he wanted to be a, a, I mean, even in Orlando, I would say this, he wanted to be a player that he wasn't. Like he he yeah. listened to Shaq and Barkley and all those guys and all those pundits say, you got to get in the post, you got to do this, that, and the other thing. And that that was never who Dwight Howard was. He he got good at it for a year, but that that was never who he was. That that wasn't what made him a Hall of Famer, which he is, by the way. Um, as his career has progressed, he he still it feels like at least he still thinks he is that elite rim protector post player type guy and like in Atlanta he demanded post touches and it's like no that's, that's not who you are anymore that's not your role if he goes to Washington and is happy setting screens rolling to the basket rebounding it'll be successful if he's unhappy with that if he demands post touches if he demands to be more of a central figure in the offense with John Wall and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter it's not going to work out and he's going to cause problems in the locker room again yeah. So with Dwight, it's really about, are you going to accept your role? And if you do, this could be a really successful partnership. If he doesn't, it's going to be a disaster because we already know there, that that locker room is kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think if if he literally just says, okay, I'm going to do exactly what Marche, what Marcin Gortat did, like, that's great. That's perfect. Like, if he just sets screens, if he just makes a living – setting screens and rolling hard to the basket with John Wall and Bradley Beal like you're going to you're John going Wall to will get find your it. looks yeah exactly and so I mean he probably has never played with a point guard I mean yeah he's probably never played with point guard of John Wall's caliber in his entire career I mean James yeah, Harden's kind of a point guard but yeah he's he's never played with a point guard like like But even John. but even at that point James Harden hadn't reached yeah that level yet um so yeah I, I i would agree with that and so if 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 he actually buys into that that role like you said this would be an amazing pairing and this would honestly take them take them this would make them a much better team and um even than they were last year and this would be a team that okay you know maybe they do get to the second round um i would i would be all in on but unfortunately you know we've seen now what is it? Four stops in a row that haven't worked. Um, L.A., L.A., Houston, Atlanta, and Charlotte. Right? Like four teams that couldn't wait to get them out of the door. Yeah, I mean, even those. I mean, everything I've understood about the Orlando situation, like players under players, some players understood what Howard was doing, trying to protect himself and, and get out. Some players weren't happy with. No one was happy with the way he handled things, obviously. But right. Um, you know, there are some players who felt a little betrayed by him at the at the end there. So he's. He's left. He's left a, a a path of carnage wherever he's been for the last six years, and and that that part needs to change. He needs to he needs to understand who he is and accept a role again, and 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 that's where he'll find value in this league. Yeah, yeah, and and I agree, and that's and that's where that's why Washington's line is very interesting to me. So. Currently, their line is they're projected to be sixth by Vegas in the East, but the difference between them and the seventh and eighth seed is quite large. So their over under is at forty five or forty four and a half, whereas uh, whereas Miami's at forty one and a half and Detroit's at thirty eight and a half. So they're projecting a six game difference between between them and um, the outside of the playoffs, and I think that. Um, that again, it's it's crazy to suggest that this team just on talent alone wouldn't find a way, wouldn't stumble into the playoffs just because of where the East is at and and their level of talent. So, um, but I think I think I'm gonna go the under with Washington. I still think they're a playoff team. I still think they're they're a comfortable playoff team. But I but I I got them at about 42 wins. I think this year I. It's hard to put faith in in Dwight Howard working with a team, um, you know. I I mean, I guess if you're looking at it, if there was any any team he was ever going to fit with, it'd be a team that has a le- a point guard like John Wall that could get him the ball and keep him happy. But I I don't know. Dwight Howard's talking about shooting jump shots. Like I don't think he's been talking about that for eight it. years now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't I don't think he gets where he's at. So uh, as as a player, like you said, 
So I'm going to I mean, go my, cons- my concern, my concern with, with, with Dwight is he keeps talking about like expanding his game and, and doing things like he's, he's going to be a focal point on this offense. And, and I think that's, that's a mistake. That's my big concern. Um, I'm also going with the under, uh, but I still think that, that, that they win the division, which this is a weak division. That's, that's not saying much, but I, yeah. I think, I think they'll, they'll still win the division. Yeah, I, I think I think I would have them. I think I would have them winning the division as well, um, because like you said, this is this is a weak division. But let's jump to the last team in, in the division, which is Miami. And the thing that's interesting about them that could drastically change their over under is Jimmy Butler. Like that to me is the main talking point right now with Miami. Yes, they just uh, extended Justice Winslow um, at a nice. Uh, Four years, thirty-nine million, or is it three years, thirty-nine million? I want to make sure I have that right. I'm not sure I have that right. I'll, I'll I'll fact check it. But anyways, in the meantime, um, their offseason was pretty simple. They didn't lose anybody, and they didn't um, and they didn't add anybody. They had a very they had a very um, they had a very plain, uninteresting offseason. Um, they just re-signed a few of their guys, Wayne Ellington, Udonis Haslam, Derek Jones Jr., and Dwayne Wade for Dwayne Wade's last season. Um, so, again, with the Jimmy Butler thing, the latest is that Jimmy Butler has not yet been traded and that Miami is his preferred destination. Um, this, to me, is a move that I think Miami has to make because they don't really have a guy that can secure the future and they don't have the salary cap flexibility to be able to create um, uh, cap space for themselves in 2019's free, massive free agency class. So this to me is their best is their best course of action is to acquire a star via trade. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the only thing they can do because um, they're just they're just so capped out. Um, they've spent a lot of money on kind of intermediate guys, uh, and 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 they're good. I mean, the the, the heat culture thing is real. Like, I don't yeah. doubt Eric Spolstra. I don't doubt Pat Riley. I don't doubt Pat Riley is going to find a way to get a star down there because he's he's a wizard at that. Um, they're they're going to be good. They're going to they're going to even if they don't get Jimmy Butler, I think they're a playoff team. Yeah, um, but I, I agree. They're they're kind of stuck where they are. Like, they're they're for for a lot of fans, they're kind of stuck in one of the in the worst purgatory. They're good enough to make the playoffs to where you have to pay your guys to kind of maintain your playoff level, but they're not good enough to win anything in the playoffs. Right. And, and, and you know, I, I remember, you know, that's, that's a purgatory a lot of fans don't like being in. I would argue the worst purgatory is being not good enough to make the playoffs, but not bad enough to, to win the lottery, um, yeah. which, is, which is where my magic are right now. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but there's... Miami's Miami has got to, I think, eventually decide what do they want to be. Um, are they going to keep kind of going for stars in these trades? And, and and I know Minnesota is asking for a king's ransom for Jimmy Butler, um, but eventually they got to pull the trigger on some deal, or they're going to be kind of stuck where they are. And and is that going to be enough to satisfy anyone? Is 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 that? I mean, are they just going to accept that 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 mediocrity is who they are? I, 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 I mean, I think they'll always get the most out of their talent, which they've been doing the last few years. But at a certain point, they got to find a way to move forward, and it doesn't feel like they're, they're doing that yet. Yeah, I agree. And for Jimmy the, uh, Butler trade pending. Yeah, Jimmy Butler trade pending, exactly. Um, knowing our luck, it, it happened during this, during this podcast. Uh, Justice Winslow did agree to a three-year, $39 million extension with the Heat. Um, that, that's the... That's the reported numbers right now. So, um, so, so that that that's a good that's a good lockup for them. Um, of course, he is one of their young prospects, especially if they don't get if they don't get Jimmy. Um, they need to keep their assets as much as possible, because like like you said, I mean, today we're in a we're in a crazy world where stars are available every every year, every couple months. It seems like somebody's on the market and. And so I think I think there's, I, I it's never in my eyes it's almost never been easier to acquire a star in the NBA. Like there's just always one that's disgruntled from time to time. And you know now it's Jimmy. Next is it is it is it John Wall? Is it uh, Damian Lillard? C.J. McCollum? Is it Bradley Beal? Um, who like you know it it's 
the possibilities are kind of endless when it comes to star players being available. And so I think Miami, like you said, roster-wise currently, they're in purgatory. But the thing to be optimistic about Miami is you can put together some of the better trade packages um, just because you have a nice combination of prospects and talent on your roster that can um, that can appease uh, that can appease an owner trying to trade a star player. Yeah, I mean, and and they like Miami has a lot of guys that I think teams like. Yeah, and, you know, like like, but they're all role players, and and that's really Miami's problem trying to acquire one of these star players. Because no one wants Hassan Whiteside, who's probably the, the number one player Miami would like to trade. Because his contract is bad. He's kind of got a bad reputation in the locker room. He's not really a modern player you can build around. So if you're trying to trade star for star or quasi-star for star, Miami doesn't have the quasi-star to trade. And that's really right. their problem, kind of fishing around for these deals. Because Josh Richardson's a nice player. But he's a role player. Uh, you know, Tyler Johnson is a nice player. But he's a role player. And, you, and, and unless Miami's willing to, to completely mortgage their future and package together a bunch of picks, they're going to find it tough to, to move off of some of these, these deals that they've handed out that are just, just huge deals for role players, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, that's not I, an insult to them because they're all really good. Like, I like Josh Richardson. I like Tyler Johnson. I like, I mean, Deion Waiters is, has resurrected his career, but mm-hmm. they're, they don't move the needle for, for a yeah, lot of teams. They're all players. If you remove their salaries, they're all players you'd objectively look at and be like, if you're just at a game watching, I want this guy on my team, right? Like, their yeah. roster is full of that. It's and Spolstra the gets the most out of all of them, too. And I think that's the other yeah. concern is you take Josh Richardson out of that environment, is he as good as he was in Miami? Yeah. Like, Spolstra that... does not get – I mean, he's starting to get more credit, but he does not get the credit he deserves as a good coach. This is, I mean – He's a multiple championship winner, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, he had LeBron and Wade and Bosh to win those. And it's like, no, like he coached that team to be one of the best teams uh, in NBA history. Or one of the better, I mean, NBA champions. Like they, they were legit multiple champions, and, and Spolstra had a much bigger hand in that than I think a lot of people give credit for. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Miami's over under 45 or 41.5, rather. Um, I'm going the slight under. I got them right at 41. They just seem like a 41 and 41 team. They seem like a team that's, um, again, that that heat culture is going to get them a lot of wins, and they're going to play hard. Um, and, and some nights that's just going to be that's going to be enough uh, on on a lot of nights in the NBA season. That's going to be enough for a team coming off of back to back or just a team that doesn't play hard. Miami's going to play hard every single night, so they're going to get a lot of. They're going to rack up a lot of those winnable games in their favor. Um, but, but again, this is a team that, like you said, talent-wise, isn't on isn't on par with uh, with a lot of the other teams, even in the even in this conference, let alone um, let alone the league. So I I'm, I got them right at 40, 41 and forty one for this season. I think they're going to be the seventh or eighth seed in the um in in the east yeah i'm gonna i think i think miami and washington are gonna i mean again jimmy butler pending if jimmy butler's there they're winning the division without jimmy butler i I still think miami and washington are going to kind of be neck and neck for the division and again that's not saying much because this southeast division is the worst collection of five teams in in the entire nba um but uh i think that that they're going to be neck and neck um miami always just they always outperform what everyone thinks about them I think they'll hang around 44, 45 wins this year. Um, I, I believe in the Heat culture. They'll lose some games that you'll be like, really, Miami lost that game? And then they'll win some games where they're like, oh, Miami won that game. And, and they'll just be consistent and solid throughout the whole year. Again, they, they have that – the Heat culture is a real thing. And I think that, that the Heat will be fine and, and they'll, they'll have it – they'll make the playoffs, obviously, probably as a 6 or 7 seed. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, Philip. well, that completes this division – uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I always enjoy having you on the podcast. You're my go-to guy for the Southeast. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug uh, plug all the stuff you're doing for the Orlando Magic because you make great content for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, best place to go is to check out orlandomagicdaily.com and and read up on the Magic while well, they're still interesting at least. Um, you can you can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily for podcast for site content. 
Uh, Philip R underscore OMD is my, uh, at least my, my work Twitter account. Uh, and then of course, um, check out Locked on Magic, wherever you download podcasts for your, for your magic fix in podcast form. Yeah. Uh, I definitely recommend the Lockdown series. The Lockdown series is is great. I listen to Lockdown Detroit as well, as well as other teams like Orlando. I keep up, from, um, I keep up from time to time as well. They're, the Lockdown podcasts are are great. is a great collection of podcasts. Um, I highly recommend those. Thank you, thank you, Phil, for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time before this crazy season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm ready to get going. Tuesday can't get here soon enough. Oh man, it cannot. All right, see you, man. See ya. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.